0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for June 30th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. The message is by Father Ron Baird. You know, frequently we hear this call in the Gospels and in Paul that we should die to ourselves and live for Christ. It's a very common theme. Jesus talks about it frequently when he says things like anyone who does not pick up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Um, he who would save his life will lose it. You know, it's a very common kind of thing. But what does that look like if we were to actually do it? What does it mean to die to self? And that's what Paul is is referring to in this letter that he's writing to the Galatians. He's trying to help them understand what does it mean to die to yourself and to live for Christ. And how would you know if you were being successful at doing it at all? Well, what he does is he then tells them that, look, under Christ, you have been uh, freed from everything. But freedom, for freedom's sake, isn't really the point. You are now free to die to the flesh. And so he puts this sort of um, tension between the flesh and the spirit. He said, you know, most people live by the flesh. If they're hungry, they eat. You know, I mean, you're driven by what you feel, what your passions are, what your urges are. And he said, but to be led by the Spirit is to deny those things. That's a really hard lesson in today's modern world because instant gratification has become an addiction for our society. But what he's saying is that actually it's the opposite that brings real life. Not the gratification, but the self-denial. And so he says, put to death the ways of the flesh. You know, get rid of all those things. Because ultimately all they will lead to is licentiousness and carousing and drunkenness. And I like it at the end. He says, and things like these, sort of like, et cetera. (laughs) That kind of covers it all, doesn't it? But he says, those things will not lead you to life or freedom. They will only lead you to be enslaved by your passion, and we see it in the world all the time. You know, one of the things that, that's becoming more and more apparent is that everything is about how we feel. You know, I even in I mean, I'm old. I realize, but um, but I'm not that old. If I had told my parents that I didn't I didn't like it, you've hurt my feelings. You know what they would have said? Get over it. <laughs> I mean, I remember my mother when you made me mad. Well, you got mad, get glad again. <laughs> it wasn't her problem. And I remember my dad specifically a number of times telling me, Look, believe it or not, I was not born to make sure that your feelings were always happy. You know, that's your problem, not mine. So, what I tell John all the time is, sounds like a personal problem to me. Uh, but it is true that if we give in to the ways of the flesh, it isn't something that frees us. In fact, it all it does is make us want more. You know, they even have commercials based on this. really show my age. Remember the Lay's potato chip commercial? Bet you can't eat just one. I and mean, it's, it's based on this whole concept of giving in to the flesh. And so when we do that, though, we ultimately die because what we're doing is we are now living into our mortal and animal nature as opposed to our spiritual nature. And now Paul contrasts that by saying that those who are led by the Spirit live very differently than that. Because they put to death the ways of the flesh. And he says those who are led by the Spirit have certain characteristics that can be identified. And they were true then, and they're true for us now. I know you all have them all memorized, right? (laughs) Some people are going, huh? (laughs) Actually, I was memorizing them this morning, so if I forget one, somebody remind me. I finally had to break it down into threes. I couldn't do it any other way. But the first three are sort of the the overarching kind of themes. That if you're led by the Spirit, then you your life will be characterized. Your your person, your personality, will be characterized with love, joy, and peace. Imagine that Christians would be known by love, joy, and peace. And this kind of love isn't. Romantic love, or, e- or even necessarily, by the way, a um, uh, caring kind of love like you might have for your family or friends. It's, it's self-sacrificing love. It's the willingness to surrender yourself for the other, to do without, to sacrifice for the other. Joy. Wouldn't it be great if Christians were known by that today? Every once in a while we'll be watching um, television and all, and I like to watch the religious channels to find out what the competition's up to. Um, And and it's amazing how many people are on TV who are preaching who are screaming at people. Did you ever notice that? I mean, they're yelling at people. They don't seem very joyous. They seem mad. I was watching a program a couple of weeks ago, and the sermon was titled, It's D-Day for the Devil! And he yelled through that whole thing. The only thing I could see that might be construed as joyous was, at one point, he ordered people in the congregation to get up and dance. I thought, okay, (laughs) forced dancing, okay, that's joyous. But why is it that Christians aren't known for joy? You know, all too often, we're more seen as sort of, you know, uptight and grumpy than joyous. And part of it is that we end up being known for what we're against, not what we're for. You know, because as, as we rail against the ways of the world... We forget that our call was never to go out and proclaim the bad news of what the world's doing to you. Our call was to proclaim the good news of what life could be in christ, and when the the standing against things drowns out the what we stand for when when the 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 sort of trying to stop things that we think are bad become the dominant theme of who we are, we lose our joy now. I'm sure that all of you thought, I want to join the church so that I can be around grumpy people who are really uptight and judgmental. That's what you all decided, right? I mean, nobody does that. And yet, all too often, that's what we end up being known for. Well, some of the Christians around here ought to be known for joy. For actually having a real... um, Thorough blessedness about them. A kind of a, a peace that passes understanding even. You know, the kind of thing that where there's a serenity in your life. That you're just happy. Just because. Because God is in control. The third one is peace. And it's not the kind of peace that's the absence of conflict. You know, like peace and quiet. But it's the kind of peace that... Passes all understanding, it's the kind of peace that enables you to remain calm in the midst of the storm. It enables you to weather the the horrible things that can happen to us in this life. That enable us to keep moving forward. Now, the only way you're going to have that kind of peace is if you're led by the Spirit. Because the truth is, is that if you're being led by the flesh, the problem with that is that there's always ups and downs. You know, sometimes it feels really good, and sometimes it feels really bad. And, and so you'll be like a yo-yo. The kind of peace that passes understanding comes from being led by the Spirit because it's an acknowledgment that God is in control. Even when it doesn't look like it, it's a fundamental faith that God is in control. And that He is the sovereign of the universe and that this will not stand. That ultimately everything will come to be exactly what He had planned. And when we have that kind of faith, and when we're led by that spirit, then we're able to have that kind of peace. Will bad things happen? Yes. But they won't shake us in our resolve. Because we're not led by the temporalness of this world. We're led by a sovereign God who lives for eternity. And so we know that we can depend on Him. The next three are a little more specific. Um, You know, we did love, joy, and peace. Next here are patience, kindness, and generosity. They're characteristics that define Christians who are led by the Spirit. Patience, kindness, and generosity. Did you know that patience is a sure mark of being led by the Holy Spirit? You know, oftentimes that's the one we struggle with the most. But impatience is characterized by being following the ways of the flesh. Because when you're impatient, that means you have what you need and you need it now. Patience realizes that all things are under God's control and I can wait. Not wait for whatever is mistreating me or whatever pain I'm suffering to you know, get over with, but I can wait for the Lord. Because I know that He is my Savior, He is my Redeemer, and that He lives. And we know that nothing... Can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so we're able to have patience. We're able to have, one of the words that used to be translated instead of patience, which in some ways I like better, is long-suffering. Anybody remember that word, long-suffering? They had it in the 28 prayer book, they don't have it any new one anymore. Long-suffering, that's a great description of patience. To be long-suffering means that you can suffer with somebody for a long time before you just lose it. You know that's patience is the ability to to realize that the world is broken and it is not perfect, but God is fixing it and so I don't have to take personal responsibility to get it all fixed today. I can wait upon the Lord. The next one's kindness it's a sort of thing that's a little more nebulous than certainly is in short supply. In a lot of places these days, I remember when I first moved up here I think it's gotten better, though, I want to say it at the beginning when I first moved up here, I was shocked at the culture difference between living in the North and living in the South. I mean, things that get done up here, you could get hurt for doing in the South. I mean it's, it would just be considered rude and, and if not belligerent. And I remember the first time I held the door open for some people that were behind me going into the mall, and they looked at me like I was nuts. Like, what's the matter with you? Didn't say thank you or anything. It's a strange person. Now, I have to say, it's getting better. I've noticed lately when I started opening doors for people, people are saying thank you. And I don't know if that's because I've managed to southernize part of Columbus, Ohio, or <laughs> or enough of us southerners are moving up here, But um, but it certainly is different because in, in the South, if you walk through a door and let the door slam on the person behind you, they would go, what's their problem? <laughs> That's if they were in a good mood. <laughs> because there's a certain gift of kindness, of, of being kind to people, of helping people, of just being there for people. Not out of some necessity, but just because we want to pay it forward. You know, that's one of the marks of the Spirit, is that kind of kindness. And then the last one was generosity. The kind of Spirit that believes that there is no limit to the pie. You know what I mean by that? There are some people who believe that the pie is set. There's only so much goodness and wealth and all these sorts of things that, that can be had. And, and that's all you get. You know, I know what that's about, too, because when I grew up, all there were like four families living around me, all were Roman Catholic, and they had anywhere between 11 and 14 kids each. And so when I had dinner with them, if a pie came out after dinner, um, you divide pie between 17 people, and watch how fast they start grabbing. <laughs> and if you don't grab fast enough, guess what? You get nothing. And I can still remember the mom saying... Kids, kids, be patient. There's another pie coming out. Well, you wouldn't have known it from our reaction to it, but <laughs> because that was all you were going to get. And so you best get it quickly. I've even known people who cut it all beforehand. You, know, you ever do that? Cut the cake or the pie beforehand to make sure that there's going to be enough for every person so nobody takes too big a piece and leaves somebody else without it? That never works, by the way, because somebody doesn't want that big a piece. But And so... There's a, a sort of mentality among us that, that there's a scarcity in the world, that God didn't provide enough for everybody. And so we have to make sure that we are secure, that our futures are secured, that you know we have enough life insurance or pension or whatever to, to get by in life, because we can't trust that God will take care of us. And yet what the opposite of that, to be led by the Spirit, is not to worry about those things, but to be generous, to share with others. You know, the same thing your mother told you when you were little, you know, share. And and to do it, not out of some grudging, you know, duty or obligation, but to do it rejoicing, gladly, because you want to, because in reality, you know that there's always more. In the kingdom of God, there is always more. You know, to, to not be generous is really... to to make a fundamental faith statement. It's to say, I don't believe that God will provide. Say, I don't really believe I can trust in him. Now, to do absolutely nothing to provide for your future is called tempting the Lord your God. What we're really called to do is to do what he calls us to do. Not just simply take some overarching theme and do it. But when we believe that God does provide, what we do is we put things in a different order. We begin to see things a little differently. We begin to to see that it is God who comes first always. He comes ahead of everything else that I need. And when I put him first, then all those other things will be added to me. Isn't that what he said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so it's, it's not that you don't need them. It's a trust that God knows that we need them. And it's not a matter of saying, okay, I don't need a pension plan or I don't need anything. I'm just going to trust on the Lord to provide for me in my old age. No, it's about being in conversation and being led by the Spirit and doing first what God calls you to do and then letting those things fall into place because when we do that, then we have our priorities straight and they come in the right order. The last three are faithfulness, Um, gentleness and self-control. I always have trouble with the last three, especially the self-control one. Faithfulness. Now, faithfulness does mean to the Lord, but it means much more than that. Faithfulness, uh, another word for it that used to be translated in the King James Version was steadfastness. You know, you read that the Lord is steadfast. Faithfulness means being genuine, letting people depend on you. Having people know that if you say something, that you mean it. And you'll do it. And if you can't do it, you certainly would come back to them and talk to them about it. You wouldn't just disappear. You know, It's about saying what you mean and mean what you say. Being the kind of person who lives with the kind of integrity that people know that you're dependable. If we have that, then we're being led by the Spirit. If you're being led by the flesh... You might be dependable in one case, but you might not be dependable in their case because something, a better offer might come along. Or something you've always wanted to do might come along. Oh, well, I'm not going to worry about that. And you move on to something else. And so um, faithfulness is important. Gentleness is a hard one because it's kind of, of a nebulous thing to get your mind around. If I say to you, someone has a gentle spirit, what comes to your mind? Slow to anger. Kind. Thoughtful. Soft, you know, like a pillow. Should be really good right now. You know, it's really hard to kind of capture the meaning of it. See if this works for you. Someone who's easy to be around. A person with a gentle spirit is someone who is easy to be around. You just like being with them. It's comfortable, which fits off pretty well. But but I mean, they they just kind of fit, and you don't feel pressure. You don't feel a lot of expectations being placed on you. You just kind of enjoy being in their presence because they're gentle. There was a TV show on a long time ago, which some of you might remember, um, called Gentle Ben. Does anybody remember Gentle Ben? Who was Ben? The bear. Now, is that the generally the, the adjective you would use for a bear? No. But in this case, Ben actually was really a gentle bear. And so when we look at um, gentleness, what, that's really what we're looking for is people who are easy around. Are you the kind of person who people say, well, you're just a comfortable person to be around. I like being with you. You're just, it just feels good to just hang out. You know, that's what gentleness is about. And then the final one is self-control, which is a little deceiving, actually, because it's not really self-control, it's actually spirit control. But when we're led by the Spirit, we don't have to have every urge and desire met. We can do without those things that we think are of vital importance to us. We can move beyond that example I gave a few weeks ago, of being a kid in the, in the aisle at the checkout lane where the candy bars are, and the world's going to end because you didn't get one. You know, self-control means that I can wait, I can put that off, because I know that in God, all things ultimately will be added to me. And so if I don't have it now, I'll have it later, and that's okay. And so we become able to, to delay gratification, and that's really what self-control ultimately is all about. So when we put all of those things together, what we have is a good measurement for how we are doing in dying to the flesh and living in the Spirit, or dying to self and living for Christ. Now, as I went through those, you might be thinking, well, I did some of them okay. You might be thinking, I don't do any of those very well. You might might be thinking, well, I did most of them very well, but I could do better. And all that's true. Because none of us have really attained that yet. Even Paul talks about it. It's not yes, yet that I have attained the prize, but I press on. Because that's really the Christian calling. And these things are not... So, so you should try more to be gentle. I want all of you to go home today and be gentle.